0: Take a listen wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
2: The producers of this podcast recognize the traditional owners of the land on which it's recorded. They pay respect to the Aboriginal elders past. Present and those emerging. Most people are born into a world where their parents love them, where there is a sense of security, where they feel that everything is good with the world. Why shouldn't it be? They're loved, they're nurtured, they're protected. When you're born into a situation or parents where their reality is that everything is in fact not good with the world, because they have seen their family shot in front of them, they have seen what one human being can do to another. And in my case, my father had an arm blown off three days before the end of the war. And so I had an everyday reminder of what people can do to each other. So... those things, they they kind of affect you on different different layers.
0: Rachel Berger was a stand-up comedy trailblazer in Australia and in the UK. They say you can't do what you can't see. Well, seeing Rachel Berger on television in the 80s made me know I could be a comedian. She changed my life, and when I grew up, she became a friend and a mentor to me. Berger is funny, wise and generous and she is the child of Holocaust survivors. She's the child of traumatised refugees. Rachel Berger has a very particular perspective on mental health and calming her farm. In fact, she now lives on a farm and perspective is definitely the word of the day. I'm Michelle Laurie and this is Calm Your Farm. Tips for taking care of you from the unlikeliest of gurus. When I wrote Hold the
2: Pickle, my one-woman show, it wasn't a Holocaust story. It was actually my parents' love story. Because in spite of everything they went through, the one thing that for me was most potent was they'd been married before the war. Had they not loved each other, they would not have survived because both of them in different situations were offered escape separately. But they didn't betray each other. Many people did. Because when your life is at stake... You'll do whatever. They didn't. For me, the core of the story was two things. One, in this in this atmosphere of profound betrayal and survival, you you are completely connected, committed, love will do anything for the person you love. And the other, as a child, how I was affected. But I I loved and still do, my mother's still alive, love my parents immeasurably. They are what they are, and I am what I am because of how they work. I've talked to so many people, refugees here and asylum seekers that you know have, have managed to get out of detention. It's the same. doesn't matter where you're from, what age. It is something about seeing that the world can be very bad. However, it's also seeing that it can be indescribably good because all you need is one person to do one thing. And then you realise for all the bad, it doesn't matter. So my parents had that as well. They were indescribably generous. They understood that if people give you a place to live, something to eat and care about you, that that is something to really count your blessings for. My father was an electrician, and so... He was pulled off the street to be taken to a ghetto, and they found, and they said they found out he was an electrician, so he was given a job in the building in the town hall, which was the building that the German army had taken over as their headquarters. So he was able to bring food to my mother, who was already in the ghetto with his two sisters and other people. So my father. Not regularly, but you know, at a designated time once a week, he could get in and out of the ghetto. and because what they did, they the ghetto was they virtually took over, let's say they would take over at Richmond, where we're going to close it off that's going to be where the Jews go with. It. that's what they did. and they just put barbed wire around it and they put gates in and they go and and you couldn't get in. So my father would be able to get in and you know bring because it and and at the beginning, you know everything was normal. at the beginning, people still traded and they brought whatever they did, and they had their little businesses and and then then food ran out, and then people got typhoid and then they started dying and then people started, as my mother said people disappeared. They would just disappear and we knew that they were going to the concentration camp and they had a quota and whatever the quota was they would take that quota. They would go to work so my mother went on a truck with a whole lot of other women and they would go to a a, a, like a big warehouse taken by two German soldiers and in the warehouse they had to sort all the clothes, which nobody ever said where they came from, who they belonged to, but they were used clothes. And so they would sort them women's, men's, children's shoes. A lot of things about my parents I never understood but I could feel it you know, around the, the, the corners of my mouth and deep in the sockets of my eyes. I felt like I had been captured. That they were the products of being in captured and 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 they treated me the way their captors had treated them because that's all they knew you know so i think that you just you become a person in order to survive you you your brain begins to adapt and so you go in line you get your bowl of soup you you file the, you know you you put you do those shoes you just do whatever well she never they never said they were dead children's shoes everybody knew but nobody ever said because it was a job and you just went day to day and there also look there's been a lot of books written Bruno Bettelheim Primo Levi two people that come to mind both of whom Holocaust survivors wrote a lot about it both of them academics both of them in the end killed themselves who wrote about the process I mean I think Bruno Levi's in my Levy's book, I think if, I, if I'm a Man, I think is the title, mm-hmm. um, you know, talks about the process of how a person, you just, you, you kind of break down till you become that captured person. There were only two places in Melbourne where you, that were, first of all, they were open on a Sunday illegally. In both cases, the police were given buckshish to keep away in Carlton <laughs> and in St Kilda, <laughs> right? Yeah. So they were those two areas. But also they were the only two places where Europeans could come, mm-hmm. basically, particularly in the 50s and 60s, to find who was still alive. I remember being a little girl and and, um, uh, seeing more than once somebody walking past someone and then turning back and saying, Marie? Marie Finkelstein? Is that you? Marie? And they hadn't seen each other since the war. Two people who didn't know whether they were alive or, or dead or whatever, and I'd see it again and again, and then there'd be this embrace that was, you know, all the all the pain and everything they'd gone through would come out in this and then they would find each other. So it was a place where people could could come, you know, to find each other to eat. Because the other thing that often people forget is that when you come to a place. And you've left everything that you know, your history, your your childhood memories, often a lot of belongings, your family, in war or not in war, but especially in war where you've had to escape. One of the things you look for when you get to the new place is the ingredients for food. Mm-hmm. Because when you smell your own ingredients, you feel that you are at home. So Carlton... Uh, Ackland Street were places that people would go to to find cheesecake, you know, chopped liver, yes. gefilte fish, rye bread, things that you could, and they weren't just Jews, they were Eastern European people, as Carlton had the Italians and other areas had the Greeks. I've had to ask my mother, my father died quite a long time ago, he died in 1984, uh, but in the years since I've spent a lot of time with my mother, and it's been wonderful. It's been wo- it's been uh, not wonderful, it's a stupid word. It's been a gift because I don't think there's anything that my mother hasn't told me. And I've asked some pretty tough questions, you know, all sorts of questions, how did you feel? They actually hid in a in a cupboard under some stairs in the basement of a building, and the um the entry that that you know it was like a the door of it was about, you know three foot by three foot or something. I said, how did you get in? And she just got on the floor and crawled in. She never left that basement. She came out of the hole, but she never left the basement for 13 months. He would go out at night to try to find food and stuff. They'd come out of it during the day, but at night they both hid. And then and then Nazis did come and they did find them. So the, so the going to the country is, for me, well, actually going to raw Bush, is really about allowing who I really am to flourish as opposed to who I was kind of the person that was that was the product of these two parents who has been diligent who has been reliable who has been disciplined who has delivered who's been on time who has at every cost delivered because that's what you needed to do that was the right thing to do and she's worn herself out and gone you know what 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 like who when do I start who what what do I want but I think there's a point where you think, okay, what do I actually want? And it's, it, and it's really about nature, regardless of my background. It just really it feeds me. It feeds me a great on, on all levels. Mm. So, uh, and my father was the same. My father used to go on long drives to the country. Once I started putting notes down of what I wanted, it just manifested. It was in. I'm the child of the seventies. Mm-hmm. You know, I if somebody had said in 1972, go up a mountain and shove a watermelon up your ass, yeah. I would have done it. Primal therapy, rebirthing therapy, whatever, everything. Everything I did, it, everything. <laughs> Great source of material. But people talk about actually, you know, you know thinking, visualising, thinking, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I visualise fine. Okay, I it. But this was actually putting energy into this thing, putting energy into every morning, sitting down saying, okay, what? Not, not about work, because I'm a workaholic. Not about a relationship. What in purest form makes me happy. So yeah, it's a way of going. You know what? Just take a breath. There's not, and and the other thing is about nature is you can't. You, you know, I can't control it. I have to accept that. You know, if it's raining and there's storms and the trees are really bad, I can't go out. That they're lovely affirmations of a, of a world that it, it can't be controlled by anyone, good or bad. So yes, it, it is a way of finding some kind of peace. I think otherwise, I may stab someone. I've been fighting and surviving all my life and I keep saying, I'm not in a war.
0: For more tips on taking care of you from the unlikeliest of gurus, including recipes for relaxing body products you can make at home, things to read and watch instead of scrolling through your phone, cheap, cheerful and calming gift ideas, go to calmyourfarm.com.au. We'd love to hear your ideas too. This has been
2: another Smartfella production in conjunction with the a Creator Network.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.
0: The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most.